you'd like to turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4, again, we're going to close out this last month. We've had a few different specials. You remember the first week in October, I talked about finances, and I was able to get away for a week to uh, Wyumi, not a week, but just a couple of days, but uh, Lee Ryan spoke about the Gideons, and then the following week, who was the following week? I can't think. Oh, uh, Hilt. Uh, Dave Hilt was here representing new tribes, and last week, Rod Whitney. By the way, some of you, you said, well, I bet you had a really easy month. You didn't have to preach only once. Well, I still have a lot of work to do. So, as far as church work, it's a great time, by the way. By the way, until we get an associate or backslash youth pastor, however that turns out, let me, let me just say there's going to be a number of times that a person will be in the pulpit. And I do that specifically because that allows me to have some extra time to get done with other things in this church, other ministries. So, hopefully, you'll be both patient and at the end, want me back. <laughs> Sometimes, well, maybe it's better not to have him here. But anyways, um, today we want to finish up with prayer. <laughs> we want to look at prayer. Joe McKeever made a pretty profound analysis of the pastorate, of uh, ministry of Christian service. He said this, If anyone on planet earth needs to pray faithfully and fervently, it's the pastor. I'll add this, it's the missionary, it's the elder, it's the leader. It's the person who wants to do ministry, and that's you. For one thing, his job, he's talking talking specifically about the pastor. For one thing, his calling, his job requires more of you than there is, and more time than you'll have. The person accepting the Lord's call into ministry is agreeing to live in a world of unfinished tasks. Do you have any unfinished tasks at home? They are irritating. But it's one thing to have that last piece of molding that has not yet been put on after five years. And it's another thing to look at lives and say how much more that could be done. He goes on and says, You are literally being sentenced to live beyond yourself. It is by its very nature impossible to live this life and do this work in your own strength. (coughs) You will develop a strong prayer life or you will not survive. It's as simple as that. Boy, did you catch that last sentence? Or two sentences, you will develop a strong prayer life or you will not survive. It's as simple as that. I say absolutely amen to that because I've been on both sides. I've been in moments when, in in months and even years, when my prayer life wasn't what it should have been. And I understand what he means, you will not survive. Oh, you may still be pastoring, you may still be ministering, you may be still ministering, but, but it will become drudgery, it will become very, very difficult, people will irritate and frustrate you, and you will lose your focus, right? Because now all of a sudden it's going to become the program that you want to accomplish, not the development of people. You see the difference there? And you will question whether or not you should even be ministering for the Lord. Why? Because of all the irritations and frustrations and stresses and because people are out of focus in what God wants to do with people. It is all about people, by the way. And I'm a program person. I believe that God uses administration and people and how they develop and work together and to accomplish much. But when it's all said and done, it's about God's glory, about His people, right? 
uh, people growing. But again, uh, we need prayer. We need to pray. And, and we're going to be looking at different aspects today. If you are, find yourself in Colossians chapter 4, look at verse 2. By the way, this whole passage is talking about witnessing, actually. I mean, the, the emphasis is in verse 5, walk in wisdom towards those who are outside. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how, to, how you ought to answer each one. The idea is answer each one in a witnessing form. In other words, we need to be lights. We need to be salt. We need to be those who proclaim the truth. But before he ever gets to verses 5 and 6, he lays down an elaborate... He begs, actually, uh, as far as you need to pray. See, you're not going to be effective unless you've already gone to God. And so verses 2 to 4 is on prayer. So we have prayer that leads to witnessing. By the way, I think this is, is excellent for our purposes. I'm going to be asking you at the end. <coughs> By the way, do you know if this is... Yes, 10.30, that's good. I like that, because if it said like 9.30, that means it's been around for a month. Who knows what's crawled in and out of it. Um, but... Um, I'm going to ask you to sign up for missionaries. And again, not all 19. It might be only one. It might be two. It might be three. But I would encourage you to participate, to partner with some different men and women that are around this world ministering the gospel. Okay? But again, I think this is very important for us as well. This is a passage that should hit us, not just about praying, but notice the sequence. If I want to be effective for God, i.e. the context is witnessing, I need, I need to be praying. Lord, prepare my heart, prepare their heart, prepare my words. Lord, use me. Again, this is what the passage says. Continue earnestly in prayer. Be vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word, uh, for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. So he says, I want you to pray. I want you to pray for me. And then I want you to pray for me and you that we would be good witnesses. Okay? If you want to have impact for Jesus Christ, we have to pray. I found myself with a cold this last week, so hopefully I won't cough. You know, praying is, uh, is many times um, associated with and compared to breathing. It's like the very air we breathe. You know, physical pressure is exerted on our lungs, and it forces us to breathe automatically. That's part of the, how God made our wonderful bodies. But the pressures of Christianity, now catch this, should force us to pray as well. Think of, think of breathing. What if we didn't have the pressure on our lungs? You wouldn't be able to breathe. Isn't it great to have a great breath? Have you ever had a situation where you couldn't quite breathe? This last week, as, as I just said, I, I, I had a cold. I started in, on Monday, and then I helped uh, um, with a construction project on Tuesday. And I knew going into it, now I already had a little bit of a cold, and I knew and I knew I was going to be cleaning up, and I ended up cleaning up that, you know, cellulose fiberglass, uh, cellulose insulation, you know what that looks like? It's like it looks like mouse nest, you know, that you... And I had some, some of that I was cleaning up, and I didn't have a mask on. And I mean to tell you, Tuesday night, I was... I could hardly grasp any air between the cold and the dust that had gotten in my lungs. You know, praying 
is just like breathing. And if you can't breathe well, what happens then? The oxygen's not getting to the blood, and you're weak, and you're tired, and you're exhausted. And you know what? Spiritually, if you don't pray, you'll be weak and tired and exhausted spiritually. You really will. We need to go before the Lord. We need to rely on Him. He will give us the strength that we need for the ministry at hand. Again, it's our spiritual breathing. In fact, Ramaki said this, prayer's absence indicates deadness and coldness. That's instructive. If you find yourself not praying, (coughs) trying to handle life on your own, just the fact that you're not praying shows deadness and coldness. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm saying you're going to be weak. You're going to be ineffective. Can we just at least understand this? If you're not praying, you're ineffective. Oh, you might be busy. Or let me say it personally. Oh, I might be busy. I might, my calendar may look full, but I will not be effective if I am not, if I am not praying. And not just the list. Uh, we were talking in the parenting or the marriage class. You know, I, I've been really chewing on this this uh, the Westminster Catechism. You know, what's the chief uh, uh, what's the chief goal of man uh, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever? That's the chief end of man to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And I've been really chewing on that last part. Yes, I agree to glorify God. I've always I've understood that for many many years. It's the enjoy Him forever that I missed. Just to really enjoy... I mean, think about this. He rescued us from darkness and blindness and, and the kingdom of Satan and, uh, and, and a world that was being destroyed. He rescued us from all that and brought us into His kingdom. And just like Adam was able to enjoy fellowship with God, we can enjoy fellowship with Him, and yet so often we don't. And we need to get that fellowship through prayer, through reading His Word, through meditation, through ministry. All those things happen. But again, to enjoy Him forever. So when I say prayer, hopefully it's not like this. Oh, this. Now again, I'm going to ask you to sign up for one or two. And that may be part of your list. But we're not just talking about the list. We are talking about an enjoyment here. By the way, is is prayer hard work? Yes. Is it a commitment? Yes. Is it part of self-discipline? Yes. But it can be very, very enjoying, enjoying, um, enjoying. Enjoyful. (laughs) You get the point. Okay, Uh, let's get to uh, verse 2. How should we pray? That's the first part. Well, he actually gives you four things. First of all, continue earnestly in prayer. Or the New American says, devote yourself to prayer. The idea is with diligence. In your outline today, there's eight spots that you need to fill in. With diligence. The word continue means towards steadfastness. Now, isn't that practical? (laughs) In other words, it should be uh, with perseverance. Don't faint. Don't waver. Don't get excited today and forget about it a month from now. I think that's probably the... I, I don't know how many times I've had to go back to the Lord periodically over the years and ask His forgiveness because I made a commitment that I wasn't holding to. So prayer needs to be with diligence. You know, you find this word... Um, in many places in the New Testament, many times referring to prayer. But one that I found interesting <coughs> is in Mark chapter 3. It says this, So he told, Jesus speaking, So he told his disciple that a small boat should stand ready for him. 
should stand ready for him because the multitudes because of the multitudes lest they should crush him but that word stand ready is that same word that we find here continue stand ready see the disciples were supposed to stand ready with a boat so that he was able to get in it so that the literally the multitudes that were literally the word crushing him so many people wanted to see Christ but they had to stand ready with a boat and i think when it comes to prayer we should stand ready are you standing ready with prayer or is it something that you just like hop and it hops, you know, throughout the week and you may catch it maybe on a Monday, get excited and then it's Thursday by and then you all of a sudden realize, man, I haven't even prayed at all. Or are you the type of person that realize, man, I mean, I get to fellowship and enjoy God and I'm even looking for things to pray for. And by the way, you can do that in your normal life. We all have full lives. But if you really believe that God listens and He is powerful and He wants to answer, doesn't that bring us to Him? So stand ready with prayer. Uh, the same word is used in Acts 1 where it says, these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. Same thing. They devoted themselves. I mean, that word is, when I devoted myself to my wife, it means no other woman. They're devoting themselves to prayer. Acts 2, they continually devoting themselves to prayer. Acts 12, they devoted to prayer. Many times the word devote is the, instead of continual. But you get the idea. It was a steadfastness. In fact, the leaders were told, said in Acts 6, it says, but we, the elders, will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. So are you a devoted one to prayer? You know, I, I asked the question, though, why do we fail to pray? I mean, we can talk about prayer, we can preach about prayer, we can, you know, study about prayer, but why do we fail to pray? Why do we fail to do like First Thessalonians, pray without ceasing? <clears throat> Probably part of it is because we don't think like Thomas Watson said, that old Puritan. He said, we should pray without ceasing because beggars beg. Yeah, I like that. Why do we pray? Because we recognize our need. Beggars. We recognize our spiritual need. We recognize how quickly we can sin. Do you, do you recognize how quickly you can... Do you recognize how quickly you can go from being a nice person to an angry man? Or a lustful person? Or a worried person? Or a fearful person? Or a selfish person? Do you realize how quickly we can go from being a humble person to a proud person? Do, we, do you understand how quickly we can do that? And if you do, beggars beg. Lord, I need your help because though everything seems to be going very good right at the moment, it may drop off the cliff in just a moment. See, we need to we need not we better not forget <coughs> that we need God. If someone uh actually my wife, could you go get me a, a cough drop? It's in my top drawer. Or if someone has one, throw me one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I may need it. I really thought it was okay. You know, we have trials and adversity and affliction. And then God also puts us into a family and puts us, gives us a wife, and now, now those are more pressures. And then, and then He says He wants you to minister, and then He puts you into a church, and that's more pressures. Think about all the things that are happening. I need help. I mean, if I don't have help, I'm going to drown. 
My kids are going to bug me. My wife is not going to be perfect. And I'm going to get angry at all those things. Right? No, I mean, all right, the marriage class, you weren't there. You don't know what I'm... But the point is this. No, no, it's not... The point is this. The, The idea of life is that God puts you in relationships and it's not supposed to be easy. So whether it's your spouse or your your children or your grandchildren or your in-laws or your son-in-law or I love my son-in-law uh, or your or your church or your el- the leaders that are or the people you're trying to witness to or your work situation all those relationships are not designed to be easy perhaps you get a lot of fulfillment through them have maybe even happiness but they're not always going to be easy and through each one of those things and we haven't even touched on all the trials you know, we are to be beggars that beg. We need God. And as we walk with Him through studying His Word and prayer, He will use us. David Jeremiah had an interesting thought. He said, ministry is at its core spiritual work. Prayer is spiritual work. And then he goes on, he says, I scoured the New Testament some time ago looking for things God does in ministry that are not prompted by prayer. Do you know what I found? Nothing. I don't mean I had trouble finding an item or two. I mean I found nothing. Everything God does in the work of ministry, He does through prayer. Whew, that's a huge one. In other words, Luke 22, we pray so that we are not tempted. Or Luke 18, pray for the Lord of the harvest. He'll send forth laborers or prayer for asking God for wisdom or that saints would be strengthened or again the laborers that would be sent out into the mission field or prayer for the backslider or prayer for healing I mean you start going through it and everything is connected through prayer everything God wants to do in your life he has subjugated it to one thing prayer end quote so again, that's, that puts us uh, uh, starting to understand. Oh, I see the spiritual battle. One of the spiritual battles that's going to go on in each one of our lives is Satan will try to make you so busy you don't pray because if you don't pray, you're not effective for God. I think the other reason, not only because we don't see our need, but sometimes we really don't believe who God is. If we really believe that God is a loving, powerful, heavenly Father that will answer our prayers, we would go to Him more often, right? We, we really don't, we believe, but we need to believe what we believe. Okay? He is a loving, powerful, heavenly Father. He does care, and He can answer prayer, and He does. So rather than trying to weigh the burden down on our shoulders, we need to run to Him. Have you ever gone through that process? You're burdened, you're frustrated, you're irritated, you're anxious, you're fearful, whatever it might be. And then you find out after a few days or weeks or even months, you know, I'm not really praying. Now you tried to shoulder it on your own. Why? Because do we really believe He is our loving, heavenly, powerful Father? Okay, so we need to pray with diligence. The next one is we need to pray with alertness. Be vigilant. New American actually says it. Be uh, keeping alert. The root means to rise, to awake. 
Don't fall asleep. So physically, I think there's a two-part thing here. He's, he's referring, this word is referring both to a physical part and a spiritual part. <coughs> I think physically, he's literally saying, when it, Paul's telling the Colossae believers, listen, when you pray, don't fall asleep. Don't let your mind wander. Does that ever happen to you? Well, it happened to the disciples. If you go to Matthew 26, you remember that real famous time when just before the Lord's death and, and he said to them uh, in verse 28, so Matthew 26, 20, uh, 38, then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. That's that word right there. Be alert with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed saying, oh, fa- oh my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Now look at verse 40. The word appears again. And he came to his disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me? That's the word. One hour. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So again, we see this word watch. Watch. Be alert. Be alert. Physically, train yourself to stay focused in prayer. And I believe this is a discipline. I know in my own life I've had a discipline in my life. At first I would start praying and, you know how you, have you ever done this like, well, I want to pray, you know, whatever amount of time, let's say 15 minutes. And then you, uh, or you start praying, you think, man, I bet you it's been a half hour, 45 minutes and it's been five minutes. See, there's there's a discipline to it. Or you find yourself starting to pray and then all of a sudden you're thinking about what you're going to be eating for lunch. Or you find yourself thinking about somebody or even having an argument with somebody. Once in a while, I'll even find myself thinking about a situation that I prayed for and then I'm like arguing with the person in my prayer. All right, you don't understand. You've got to keep your mind alert. I think there's a second part, though, not just physically staying awake and alert, but spiritually it means that you're awake in the sense of the need. What are you really doing here? Is it just to get through the list? Or are we really understanding that people are in need? First of all, they're in need of salvation. This is a high and holy calling. This is spiritual battle. These people are headed towards hell, and Satan would want that. So I'm battling in a spiritual realm. We don't fight in fleshly realm. We fight spiritual, spiritual battles. Ephesians 6 says this, With all prayer be on the alert, with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. That a word alert is a different word, but it means this. Again, be attentive. So it's the same type of concept, different word, but for all the saints. Be on the alert. Where this word is also uses here. Be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour in First Peter 5. So that's that word. I mean, if you knew there was a lion about, you know, there was a lion on the loose, and there was, what, over in Ohio or something? You think people that went to work that day were on the alert? Okay? Now, take that concept. On the alert. Okay, where's the danger? Do I see him? Can I, you know, get on my cell phone and report him? You know, where is he? Now, 
That's what he's saying about First Peter. Be on the alert for the... But see, he's saying the same thing about prayer. Be on the alert. What do you mean? Well, stay focused physically, but also spiritually. In other words, so there are people in need of salvation. There are people in need of repentance that are believers. There are, pe- there are Christians who need to be reconciled with other believers. There are believers who need to be reconciled with God. There are, there are teens that need to get their life right with their friendships. There are other people that need to get their life right with integrity. All right? Do you see all these needs that we have? And if, and if we are spiritually alert, if there was a line about, you'd be focused, thinking, okay, and your mind's engaged. And that's what he's saying. Be engaged. See the spiritual needs out there. What's also interesting, if you just go a few verses later, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 13, I believe it's 13, uh, verse 12. He gives a, um, an illustration of Paphras, 4.12, who is one of you, a bondservant, a slave of Christ, greets you also, laboring fervently for, for you in prayers. Laboring fervently. And what's interesting about this is the word, um, the word is in its singular form. So the idea is not just bless the missionaries, but he is saying specifically he's praying for you as individuals. It's one thing to look at the list. Please don't do this. I'm going to pray for our missionaries, and you give one general prayer, Lord, just keep them safe. We're talking about specifically, Lord, I want you to work in Rod Whitney's daughter's life. Because Rod told you about her last week. And you just and you keep praying. And maybe even drop him an email once in a while. He's good for emails. Okay, so we have alertness. So we have diligence, and now we have alertness. These are very practical things about prayer. Now the third one is this, with thanksgiving. This is focus on God. By the way, a thankful heart is a humble heart. It it makes logical sense he's going to go with thanksgiving. Because a thankful heart is a humble heart. By the way, when we say thankfulness, it immediately focuses you on God. Now, we can say we're thankful. Man, I'm thankful for a car, and I'm thankful for a great wife, and a good family, and a great church, and a nice place to live, and I have heat in my home, and food, and I can go through the thankfulness. But you know what? Every one of those, sometimes we are very selfish in our thankful list, as it were, because I'm thankful that I can, you know. No, no. I am thankful that God has provided. Do you see the thankfulness is always pointed towards God. So he says, listen, I want you to be with diligence. Your prayer should be with alertness, but they also should be focused on God with thanksgiving. It should be the opposite of pride. A thankful heart is a humble heart. An unthankful heart is a proud heart. Let me give you a few things that we need to be thankful for, specifically about God. First of all, His presence. His presence. These are all P's. Maybe you can remember them a little bit easier. You know, Psalm 75 says this, verse 1. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your marvelous works declare that your name is near. Your name. Now, when a person was named, especially in the Old Testament, it referred to who he was and what he was going to do. Okay? It gave a description of the person and his work. And so he's saying, listen, Lord, your name, that means you, all your power, all of your, uh, who you are is near, is near to me. I'm thankful for that. 
And he says it twice. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your wonderful works declare that your name is near. We need to be really thankful that God is near. Well, in prayer, what is that? Because He hears us. I mean, think about this. All the people around the world who, you know, pray to their gods, their idols, their wooden statues, their whatever their imagination is, and yet ours is the true God. He hears. He's near. So we're thankful for His presence. How about His provision? This is a good example. Acts 27, verse 35. It's the end of uh, as Paul is going across the sea towards Rome and there's a major storm and even adrift in the midst of a raging storm Paul gave thanks he actually thanked the Lord for provision so we need to thank the Lord not only for his presence but for all his provisions see as we pray many times we pray for a provision but maybe we're not as thankful for the previous 150 provisions he had given us right let's have perspective here um so we thank Him for provisions. We thank Him for His pardon. I mean, if in anything, this would be the top. Romans 6, But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. You were delivered from being a slave of sin. So thankful for God's pardon, for His promises. 2 Corinthians 1.20, For all the promises of God in Him are Yes. If He gives you a promise, it's yes. It will happen. If you believe on My Son, you will have eternal life. It's a promise. Right? If you walk with Me, you will be blessed. That's what Psalms talks about. One, that's a promise. We need to be thankful for His promises and also for His purpose. Romans 8.28 We know that all things work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to His purpose. So you put those together. The purpose of God, that's why everything works out for good, for, for, together for good. Even someone dying at a young age, even someone that had a terrible disease for many years and then died at a young age, does that still work out for God's purposes, for His good? Again, to those who love God, we're talking about His children. There's a purpose in all that. I mean, that, that passage right there is specifically talking about Christians. All things work together, but we're talking about those who love God. So now, if you put together God's presence, His provision, His pardon, His promise, His purpose, you put all those together, that's a lot to be thankful for. Our prayer should be, therefore, more than just a list. If, you're just, if you just pray a list, you will get discouraged. It will be irritating and frustrating at times, right? Just be boring. I mean, it'll be just... Give me, 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 give me, give me, give me. It's part of that. But it's so much more. We want to have a thankful heart. And then finally, with camaraderie. With camaraderie. The first part of verse, I think it's verse uh, 3, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, praying also for us. Praying also for us. Um, so it's not just about selfishly me, it's us, it's partnership. Now, there's a quick question, though, that comes up sometimes. But is it selfish to pray for me? I mean, should my prayers be about just others, you know, selfless others? Well, remember the Lord's, how the Lord uh, told His disciples to pray. Give us. Now, notice the, this plural, us. It's not just them and it's not just me. It says, give us 
this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's very instructive. So my prayers need to be made up of my needs and your needs. So as I was praying this morning, I was prayed for me and I prayed for you. Okay, I prayed for some of you specifically. I didn't pray for all 200 here. Hopefully you guys got up and the rest of you were, your needs were met through other people praying. Because you did get up this morning and start with prayer, right? You came prepared, right? Your hearts were prepared when you came. You were prepared when you came here, right? Okay. Um, no, it's us. It's a partnership. And that's why Paul, you know, says, says what he says for us. Romans 15, he says a similar thing. Now I beg you, verse 15:30. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit that you strive together, you work together. You The word is agonizomai, it's soon agonizomai, which means you work together, agonize together with me. Romans 15:30. You strive together with me in prayers to God for me. So he really says, listen, I want you to, I want you to work and agonize together with me through prayer and pray for me he specifically says there and remember pray for me i'm the i'm the ambassador um, that god has chosen at the moment so that that's how we want to pray we want to pray with diligence we want to pray with alertness we want to pray with thanksgiving because a thankful heart is a humble heart and we want to pray with camaraderie it's about us it's not just about me it's not just even about you it's about us okay we want to work together that's, that's how we should pray. Now, let's, let's look at very quickly what we should pray for. Now, again, where was Paul when he wrote the book of Colossians? Where was he? Where? It's called a what epistle? Prison. He's in prison. Now, if you're in prison and you're asking people to pray, how would you normally ask them to pray? Let's see what he does. Because he just said, meanwhile, praying also for us. By the way, the us there are also those people around him because when he ended up in prison, he was people stayed on the outside helping Paul out. <coughs> Let's see how he says it. That God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains. He doesn't ask to be let out. In fact, the spiritual depth of Paul can be seen here and the fact that he desired an opportunity for witness rather than from, for uh, release from prison, imprisonment. I mean, that shows depth. By the way, it wouldn't have been wrong to pray for his release. But he says, but what I want more than anything is I want a door, an opportunity. In fact, that's the first thing. We can pray for an opportunity. An opportunity. That's the fill-in, the fifth fill-in. Because it says a door, that God would open to us a door. Do you have a target list? You know, we're, gonna, we're talking about missionaries. We're talking about praying for others. But, you know, we need to pray for an opportunity. We need to be used as well, right? Myself and you, each one of us. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great if you had a target list? Five people you put on there. Lord, I'm going to lift these five people to you. They're unsaved. They need salvation. They need the gospel. I've gone, but I'd like to go again. 
I'm going to start, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that their heart would be open. I'm going to pray that their heart would receive the word. And I'm going to pray that you, you're the one that sends me, send me to them. <coughs> Wouldn't it be great if, if 200 people that are listening right now would each take that as a, I'm going to write down five people and I'm going to start praying that God gives me an opportunity to witness to them. And it might be someone you've witnessed to 20 times already. In fact, you, the name even comes to you and you don't even want to write it on the list. Lord, they're beyond, you know, I've already tried. No, maybe that's the one that he wants you to keep praying for. Pray for an opportunity. Statistically, they say 90% of Christians have never led another person to Christ. That's sad. By the way, it's not about leading the other person to Christ. It's about sharing the gospel with them. Only God can change the heart, right? Uh, But I I believe this, that if you sow much, there's a tendency to reap, right? I mean, you may have to share over and over again. I remember the great Donald Barnhouse said this. He was a pastor down in Philadelphia in the 40s through the 80s. But he said this. He said, you know, in the whole congregation, and he, he just stood up and he said this. Prayer changes nothing. And you could hear a pin drop. Because that is true in the, in the truest form, right? Prayer doesn't change anything. Prayer to God, the holy, loving Father, powerful Father changes, right? It's, it's not just because we say um, a puny little prayer, as it were, that something's going to happen. It's that we are praying to God who makes it happen. So again, as we pray for an opportunity, we're praying to God, Lord, give me an opportunity. Use me, Lord. Lord, open up their heart, Lord. Lord, help them to understand. Help the darkness to come off their eyes, as it were, off their heart. So pray for an opportunity. Second thing, pray for receptivity. Again, that God would open to us a door for the Word. There there again, that's sovereignty. That's me knowing that I can't do it. He is sovereignly in charge of everything. And so we go to Him. The word open again is in in the singular, means specific opportunity. Lord, give me a specific opportunity. Uh, Third, pray for clearness. Colossians, uh, uh, the second part of that. To speak the mystery of Christ that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. So, I am praying for a missionary, and I'm praying for myself, but let's, let's apply this to the missionary. As I'm praying for the missionary, as I'm praying for another minister of the gospel of Christ, I'm going to pray for an open door. I'm going to pray for receptivity, that as they share, it will be, it will be um, received. This puts us in a whole different world. I, I'm afraid that sometimes, and, and I, some of you are going to get upset with this, but sometimes as we look at the prayer list, it's about the big toe. Okay? It's about some physical need. And, and by the way, I am not opposed. Let me say it so you don't walk away. It's not about... It can be about the physical need. And some of you are in very, very hard physical needs. And I want to pray for you. But we need to get beyond the physical into the spiritual. So even if you have a, an issue with a major, major physical need, I want to pray for you. I want you to know that. But we need to get beyond that into the spiritual realm. Okay, they have cancer. Lord, help them to have the peace and the strength and the witness through this time. Do you see what I'm saying? There's something more. Sometimes I think we get just focused on the toe. 
Not that there's a toe on the thing. But the, you know, no, it's way, be, way beyond that. And any physical need, you should find yourself also praying for a spiritual need in that person's life as well. It'd be really sad if all we're trying to do is keep Christians alive. Right? Isn't that sad? You know, just try... This 95-year-old person, just keep her alive for another... We don't have anyone like that on the prayer list. Just keep her alive for another three years. That's not the point. It's a spiritual battle we're talking about. Yes, give her peace. Lord, if it's your choice to heal her, thank you. But let's make sure we bring it into spiritual realm. And many times it's the spiritual realm with the gospel. Well, here Paul is specifically saying, by the way, that was a rabbit trail. I just veered. Okay, now we've got to come back. Opportunity, receptivity, clearness. Give me that I may make it manifest. The New American says that I might make it clear, intelligible, precise. As you're praying for people that are ministering the gospel, make sure you're praying that the gospel would be clear. I've had people tell me, I mean, they will share with me uh, in a situation like uh, in a service or something, and I heard a person speak one time, and then I hear people walk out of that service saying, boy, wasn't the gospel clear? And I think to myself, I couldn't even find the gospel. What are they looking at? The gospel is Jesus Christ came to this earth. He died a perfect, the perfect God-man, died, buried, resurrected, and because of his resurrection, he has the power to forgive sin. And if a person puts their faith and trust in him as sinners and they recognize their sin, they can be forgiven and made part of God's family. Sometimes whole chunks are left out, the substitutionary death of Christ. So again, let's, be, you know, let's pray that the gospel would be clear. I hear of situations where I believe that what happened was there was an emotional experience. It wasn't true salvation. And then finally, so we have opportunity, receptivity, clearness, and then finally boldness. For which I, all, I am also in chains. And he says in the second part of 4, as I ought to speak, he says I'm in chains. So he said I need boldness. You Colossian Christians, give me a pray that I would have boldness. Because again, even the great apostle Paul could have fear. Did, do you think he had fear at times? Absolutely. Absolutely. Boldly means to talk frankly, without concealment, unreservedly, fearlessly, confidently. I like what uh, Hutchcraft said. He said, fear points back to the fact that it's all about me. When we have fear in witnessing, it's because we're focused on ourselves. It's a selfish thing. It's the disease of me. So again, Paul says, pray that I would be bold. And he said the same thing to the Ephesian Christians, Ephesians 6.19, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So he really hits that. I'm in chains. I need to have boldness. Please give me boldness. Acts 4.29, I think, has the... uh, actually has the key to this whole thing. How can I become bold? Would you turn to Acts 4.29 for a second? See, Jesus said as he was leaving, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come. And then you'll be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most part of the world. But he said, you're going to be my witnesses. But you're not going to be my witnesses until the Spirit of God comes. Because when the Spirit of God comes, he's going to do exactly what Acts 4.29 says. See, Acts 1.8 is the, um, is the summary of all the book of Acts. 
The Spirit's going to come. He's going to indwell you. He is going to fill you. He is going to empower you. And then you will be my witnesses. It's going to start in Jerusalem to the ends of the world. And here in Acts 4.29, we see some keys of how do we get boldness. This is how you can pray for a missionary. This is how you can pray for yourself. And I'm just going to look at a couple verses. Uh, Verse 29, Now, Lord, that word is curious, Lord, Master, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. There's There's a contrast here. Curious, Lord, Lord, you're the Master, Uh, Look upon your servant. That word is slave. There's this master-slave relationship that's found in verse 29 that he says, listen, help me to remember that I am your slave. You're the master. That will fill me with boldness right there. I go not because of my own will, but because of yours. Let's just drop down to verse 31. And when they had prayed, and the place where they were assembled together was shaken, catch this, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, And it goes back to Ephesians 5.18. Be filled with the Spirit. And they all spoke the Word of God with boldness. There's an interesting thing in in the book of Acts that every time you find the word filled, that that the people were filled with the Spirit, you know what you find immediately afterwards? They were witnessing for Christ. They were being His witnesses. A key component, a key... um, no, help me out. A key uh, way to know whether or not you're truly filled is are you speaking for Christ? Because when they're filled, they have boldness and they speak the truth. As I, as I uh, need to witness, my, uh, for my, as I need to witness and as you need to witness, you know what we need to pray for? Lord, help me to see the relationship of master-slave, that I am, your, I am your slave and I'm speaking your truth. That's a key. And the other is, and Lord, help me to know that I can't do it on my own. I need to be filled. Because as I'm filled, then I'll be able to speak the truth with boldness and not fear. Because the focus is not on me, but on you and on the, the person's need. Okay? There's an interesting story about a missionary. And we'll end with, with this. He... It was long ago. I wish I had the name. I, I know it was is true because it's in uh, quotes. I mean, this is a true story, but I don't have the actual names. But there was a missionary and uh, a husband and wife that were going to go to Africa. And back at the turn of last century, it was referred to Africa was referred to the white man's grave. And so they're at the church, and the husband and wife said this: "My wife and I have a strange dread in going." We feel much as if we were going down into a pit. Now, he, he's telling the, mission, the church, before he leaves to Africa, I have this strange dread. We are willing to take the risk and go if our home church will promise to hold the ropes. One and all promise to do so. Hold the ropes. I like that. Hold the ropes. Hold the ropes for us back home. I don't want to go. I feel like there's just nothing but the pit. But I'm willing to go if you hold the ropes. Less than two years had passed when the wife and the little one God had given the couple succumbed to the dreaded disease. Soon the husband realized his days were also numbered. Not waiting to send word of his coming, he started back home at once and arrived at the time of a Wednesday night prayer meeting. He slipped in unnoticed, taking a back seat. So can you picture this? He's come back by himself, wife is dead, child is dead, prayer meeting 
and he's, he's looking for something. At the close of the meeting, he went forward, and awe came over the people, for death was written on his face. He said this, I am your missionary. My wife and child are buried in Africa, and I have come home to die. This evening I listened anxiously as you prayed for some mention of your missionary to see if you were keeping your promise, but in vain. You prayed for everything connected with yourselves and your home circle, but you forgot your missionary. I see now why I am a failure as a missionary. It's because you have failed to hold the ropes. So as we ask you to pray, that's really what we're saying. I'm asking you to hold the ropes, okay? If, if you said last year you would pray and you haven't, I would encourage you. We're going to stand in a moment, and before you even sing a word, you confess that as sin before God. You made a, you made a commitment you didn't hold to. But that, that should not make you fearful. What you should do is, Lord, I want to end this year being faithful to praying. Maybe you can't even remember who you wrote. And in that case, I would just pick out one and start today with the one you... But Lord, I want to become faithful, diligent, steadfast. I, I want to become alert. I want, I want my prayer life to be a joy with thanksgiving. I, I want to be more than just a list. I want it to be for others. And I would encourage you, not out of guilt, not because other people are watching you, okay? Let's just say, many of you have already signed up, but if you haven't and the Lord's putting it on your heart, do it. Not out of emotion all 18. I would say start with, if you, were, if you didn't do many last year, or find, just keep to one or two. I pray for four. Okay, I know I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to look like I'm praying for, I'm not praying for everyone. I pray for four. Okay, but if you haven't, you confess it, and then you say, Lord, this is something you want me to do. I believe God wants all of us to stand with our missionaries. Hold the rope. Hold the rope and take it very, very serious because there's a lot of spiritual damage that's going on. Is that correct? Do you know that how many people go out in the mission field and then they come back after just a very short time? And I believe one of the keys is this. We're not praying. Okay. So let's stand as we worship God. Hopefully he will find us faithful.